the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This program on AM 1170, The Answer, is sponsored by Allied Media Group. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, 5'2", and 107 pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea Kay. Good, good evening and welcome to the Andrea K Show. It is Monday night here in San Diego, AM 1170 KCBQ. And you know what? It's okay that DJ Carrot Sticks didn't play my new intro with music hand-selected by the listeners out there. Because you know what? It's always happy for me uh, to get to hear my buddy, Rick, from my old station, AM 11, uh, which was Astro Broadcast Group. We'll get it. We'll get that new one going with a little That's music. As good as it's going to get. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it's all good because it's always good whenever I get a chance to share this time with you all and with DJ Carrot Sticks. Hey, baby. Howdy. Hey. And what's today? L- Lottie. Today Gras? is Lindy Gras. Lindy Gras. Lindy Gras. That's right. It is Fat Monday. And you know what? For those of us um, from New Orleans, not everybody down there in New Orleans loves Lindy Gras as much as, as me and, my, and my, my buddies, my girl Liz, love. Uh, Lindy Gras actually for, I guess, pretty much since I've known Liz has always been actually our favorite day in Mardi Gras season. When those of us down there, when we say we celebrate Mardi Gras, what we mean really is the entire Mardi Gras season leading up to Fat Tuesday. And Lindy Gras has always been a special day for me and Liz. Um, Liz and I, for those of you who don't know me well, um, I can't imagine any of you out there who don't know Liz is. She's my girl, my sorority sister from LSU, my my sister by choice. And Lindy Gras actually was our favorite day of Mardi Gras season. I think it's because you're coming off a weekend down there where you've celebrated in Demian on Saturday. You had the mother of all parades, which is Bacchus on Sunday night. And so, you know what? You're rolling into Tuesday, which is Rex. He's the king of all carnival. He's a, always a local, never a celebrity, because that's like the culmination. And so Monday was always kind of our day to kind of chill and just do our local thing. And so Lindy Gras was always a special day for us. In fact, I was thinking today about one of my favorite Lindy Gras memories with Liz. And there's a reason why I was thinking about it, especially today. I'll tell you in a minute. But one of our favorite, my favorite Lindy Gras memories was when she and I were just cruising around. No, you know, no plans particular. You know, we had like a daiquiri that we had gotten from daiquiris and cream. You know, nobody did. We're just walking around and we come across a free concert actually that was being given by our local, you know, everybody who doesn't know the Neville brothers now, but I think at the time, and I don't remember if we were like 17 or 27, I don't even know how old we were at this time, but we came across the Neville's giving a free concert down at the Riverwalk. And it was just one of those magical nights, you know, that I will always have with me forever. I'm telling you this because I'm dedicating tonight's show and Lindy Graw to Liz's mother, Joan, who I call Mama Joan. Mama Joan fell yesterday, actually, and broke her leg uh, on uh, last night during the Super Bowl. In fact, Liz ended up watching the Super Bowl. My girl who loves football like I do was watching the Super Bowl from the from the emergency room. So anyway, 
Um, Mama Joan had to have surgery today on uh, Fat Monday, but I'm dedicating tonight's show to her because she has been a second mother to me, a second mama to me for many, many years now. So Mama Joan, tonight's show is dedicated to you on Lindy Gras. I love you so much, and I can't wait to see you soon. And I just love you. And so tonight's show is dedicated to you. Hey, it may be Lundy Gras to me and Liz, but you know what? I don't know what it is to the people in New Hampshire. All they know is we are going into their primary tomorrow. And hey, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Andrea K Show here on AIM 1170 uh, KCBQ. Follow me on Twitter at Andrea K Show. I'm on Facebook at Andrea K. Go to my website, AndreaKShow.com. I'm starting to get a lot of emails there from people who have comments, suggestions, or whatever for the show. So we are going into New Hampshire tomorrow. Actually, the candidates are already there coming off of Iowa. And, you know, there's a lot of people that are starting to question why in the world are we continuing with this primary situation that we how do we come from a state to where we've got people that, uh, you know, have so many socialists people are questioning half the state voted in a primary for a socialist. The other half voted like they've got some brains and voted for, for Ted Cruz. How do we go from that into a state that that actually has as a primary 40-something percent of people are undeclared or undecided? They get to go in that day and decide whether or not they're going to vote at all. Same-day registration. Same day they get to go in and decide whether or not they're going to vote as an independent, Republican, or Democrat. How do these people have so much power? And here's a little bit of inside baseball for you guys. I got a whole lot of family in New Hampshire right now. And I'm asking myself, you know, why in the world is so much power given to some of these people? I got a niece who's 20 something years old who says, you know what? If that Trump, if he gets the nomination, if he if he gets voted for the Republican Party and if he gets if he becomes president, I may move to Canada. And I'm saying that alone is reason for Trump to become president. Okay, because if this girl represents the nation, I just I don't care if she's family member. We have gone completely off the rails as a country with what is going on. We had a debate Saturday night of the Republicans, and you know, which was kind of interesting because it seems as though it's the Democrats who always want to hide out and pretend, you know, that you know they're not for what they are and not go public with what their views are and have debates like you know at two in the morning, like infomercials. You know how they're like always trying to sell you some overpriced skincare or some kind of like shirt you don't need or some kind of like you know body part appendage at three o'clock in the morning. You know, that's kind of how the Democrats roll. So I was kind of surprised that there was a Republican debate on a Saturday night uh, going into this primary. And I was I was even a little bit more surprised by the results. And one of the reasons why I was surprised is because the whole narrative and, you know, we've we've been saying for a long time, you control the media, you control the message and you control minds. So what was the latest establishment narrative that came out of the debate Saturday night? It was that it was all about the governors. Of course, that's been the latest thing from the establishment media. The, it was the rise of the governors that came out of that debate. And I'm sitting there thinking, really? Because that wasn't my takeaway. Now, granted, it was Saturday night in the middle of, you know, my Mardi Gras weekend. But I got to thinking about this whole thing about governors and, and why, the, why the media would really take that narrative. They've always got to have – there's a reason why when you see en masse the media taking – all kind of chiming in together on a particular narrative, there's a reason for it. Because, see, they've got an agenda that they want to put forth on the American people. And so I got to thinking about that. 
and and I got to wondering why it was kind of getting under my skin, why they were pushing so much for the governors. Because, you know, traditionally, you know, it it was difficult for somebody to come from the Senate and go to, to the presidency because coming from being a governor was always considered to be such an advantage because it gave you all this great, tremendous executive experience. So I got to thinking about why that was kind of problematic for me to hear that coming out of this debate. And it's because, you know what, it's really not a coincidence for me that all the governors coming out of this debate, whether it's Bush or Kasich or Christie, are all squishy establishment types. So, yeah, of course the media is going to go, hey, all hail to the governors, because every one of the governors are really establishment types. And then I got to thinking about, is it coincidence that all the governors are really establishment, you know, squishy rhino types? Or is it really something about, at this point in American history, that lends itself to that being the case for governors? And I kind of got to thinking about that. And I got to thinking about the fact that for me, yeah, it kind of seems as though at this point for America, it's kind of the establishment gig to be a governor. Because maybe that wasn't the intention to be a governor here in America. But at this point, it's kind of like we no longer really have a republic of states. We actually have governors now kind of acting as administrators on behalf of the federal government instead of doing what Doc Porbin said on Facebook, which was the, the, what the state should be doing at this point and the governors, they should be pushing back against a federal government that is overreaching so much to, to the extent that they are instead of taking like Kasich did. The money for Obamacare and from from all these federally funded programs. You how can you say that you're a Republican, which is supposed to be the party for limited government when you're taking money from federal programs that basically come from an income redistribution scheme, which is basically to take money from taxpayers from Iowa to give to you, Kasich, in Ohio. I mean, there's been a few Republican governors that have pushed back. Governor Brewer in Arizona, boy, she she tried to push back against Obama in terms of what he was trying to do to her in terms of immigration. And I was talking to Timothy Shea earlier, and he was like, well, don't forget, you know, about uh, Abbott in Texas. Yeah, I think that there are a few examples, but you know what? They're not the ones running for presidency right now. So I'm not one of these people at this point that's willing to say, you know what? Hey, as a governor, you get, you know, you get an advantage to me because you've been a governor in terms of executive experience. In fact, when I look at that experience, I think to myself, I think, you know what? You know, one of the things that Christie talked about in the debate was he talked about, hey, I've got, I'm held accountable to the people, he said to Rubio. Really? Where exactly are you accountable, Christie? Because to me, real executive experience comes from being truly accountable, particularly to yourself. If you are truly an executive in which you are truly having to manage your own money, where you have truly started a business, managed that business and grown that business in the face of the regulations and the overbearing, the jackboots of tyranny that are on the business owner today. What exactly what? Um, repercussions, what accountability is on any governor today when they screw up? Exactly how did Arnold Schwarzenegger, who ran supposedly 
We did out here in California. We did a recall of Governor Gray Davis because he did what Republican governors are now saying that they're behind in terms of in-state tuition for illegals, driver's license for illegals. We recalled him here, put in Governor Schwarzenegger because he said that he was a fiscal conservative, yet a social liberal. And when he got in office and when he did what governors do today, which is basically just manage the situation, manage the status quo, take the money from the federal government, put up with the federal government overreach. When he continued to do that, when he continued to expand the government here in California and run us into further economic ruin, exactly what accountability, what repercussions, what responsibility came to bear on Schwarzenegger? None. So as I sit here today, I say, you know what? The status quo has changed for me. You no longer get extra credit for me because you supposedly sat as a governor. Therefore, you have executive experience. That no longer works for me. In fact, it works against you because you are a part of the establishment. You're part of the problem because your mindset as a governor today in the United States of America seems to be all about what so many conservatives say that they don't want even from Trump. They don't want somebody who sees his role as to bring everybody together around the dinner table, liberals and Democrats, and let's all reach a consensus. Let's all reach across the aisle and come together in a big kumbaya moment. That is not what we need in the United States of America. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk to Ernie White from Ernie White Media, and we're going to talk about exactly what we need and which Republican, as we go into New Hampshire and going forward from that, can actually deliver what we need as the United States of America going forward because we have a broken system and so far almost every governor that I see is just presiding over the broken system just at a state level hey this is the Andrea K show and you're listening to me on name 1170 the answer sure to follow Andrea K on Twitter at Andrea K Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K spelled K-A-Y-E. Want to start living better, longer? LaVita Compounding Pharmacy can help. Proudly improving the lives of over 10,000 patients, preparing personalized medications with the highest care, quality, and safety. Voted Union Tribune's best local pharmacy, LaVita specializes in bioidentical hormones, prescription skin care, transdermal pain creams, and more. Let us help you find the path to living better, longer. Visit us at LaVitaRx.com or call 866-507-1990. I'm Nicole Donnelly, and for over 20 years, I've owned and managed Miramar Kitchen and Bath with one goal in mind, to offer great service and great value. Just listen to what our customers are saying. Service was excellent. Easy process, start to finish. We are really happy with our new bathroom. We've already talked to them about redoing our kitchen. They have our complete trust. Call Miramar Kitchen and Bath, 858-271-8434, or visit my showroom, just one half block off Miramar Road on Commerce Avenue. Contractors license 657-333. Kitchen Convenient homestyle recipes and unique menu favorites. Sombrero, your place for San Diego style Mexican food. Roll tacos, California burritos, and don't forget your salsa. Sombrero Mexican food. We get it too. You're listening to the Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to the Andrea K Show. Glad to have you all here with me tonight. You know, before the break, I was making my case against governors, which is kind of against the conventional wisdom because, you know, I love my man, Ronald Reagan, 
And, you know, the conventional wisdom was you really need somebody who's going to go into the presidency who's got executive experience, right? Somebody who's actually managed a budget, somebody who knows how to actually go up against special interests, go up against all the different roadblocks, you know, that we face. Somebody who can actually coalesce around, you know, different varying interests, right? But I'm looking at this debate Saturday night. And I'm coming out of the bait going, yeah, there's a reason why the media establishment is pushing these governors. And you know what? There ain't not one of them that I want to vote for. But I could be wrong. So that's why I brought in my man, Ernie White, from Ernie White Media, to tell me how wrong I am. Hey, Ernie, welcome to the Andrea K. Show. How you doing, Andrea? I'm good. I am always glad to talk to you because you always have a fresh perspective on everything that's going on. You know, I'm not sure how much you watched of the debate Saturday night, but coming out of it, it, you know, it was all about how great these governors did as opposed to Cruz or as opposed to, you know, um, even Rubio or Trump. What were your thoughts about that? Well, you know, I watched that whole debate. I watched of all of that debate. You know that. Mm-hmm. And that was an establishment debate. And Donald Trump actually said it. He tried to clear it up for people, letting them know that that audience was 100 percent establishment. That's why you heard the booze. Those governors are all establishment. And people need to understand what the establishment really means. We have central committees throughout the nation. We're talking about every county in America, and even some cities have central committees. These are your establishments. These are where your votes are going to come from. Your delegates are going to come from. And these people do not want Donald Trump in that president's seat. They don't care if the liberal gets in because we are a club. When you say Republican Party and Democrat Party, you're talking about two clubs, establishment clubs, private clubs, mm-hmm. because I'm actually a part of the establishment. I'm voted in. Right. I ran. I won. And I'm part of it. But well, I'm voting for Trump. Well, they also don't want Cruz either. You know, that that's that's a part of the the uh, establishment mantra is they don't want Cruz. I mean, they would rather see, you know, Christie. They want to see Christie, Rubio or Kasich. They want to see anybody but Trump and Cruz. Now, so but I, I know that you're a, a Trump supporter. One of the things that really bugged me and, and I don't really advocate for any particular party or Paul here. What I advocate for ideas and as much as I dislike Rubio, because one of the one of the things that, in fact, that drove me crazy about this debate is since then, everybody's been talking about how bad. Rubio did that he kept repeating the same thing over and over and over about Obama. Well, you know what, Ernie? It was true. You know, when he kept saying over and over that President Obama is not incompetent, President Obama knows exactly what he's doing and what he's trying to do is transform America into something other than what it stood for. He was absolutely correct. And that's one of the things that really bothered me about the Republican party and about the media and even about Christie himself. Christie was so self-centered and so self-absorbed that instead of instead of catching Rubio on Rubio's obvious uh, push for amnesty, he just kept pushing on this, oh, Rubio, you don't have executive experience because you weren't a governor mantra. You know, Rubio was right about the fact that Obama is is intentionally trying to transform America. And the issue that we have is not um, solved strictly by having a governor step in, correct? 
Yeah, we're going to have to have somebody that's going to come in and going to do some damage, just like Obama has done some damage. You're going to have to come in and be strong and be tough and be willing to take some hits because you've got to reverse a lot of the damage that Obama has done. Now, every candidate there knows that there is a convention coming up. And if Donald Trump does not have 51 percent of those delegates, he is not going to get the vote. So if you can ride this thing out to the convention, if you can put Cruz up front for a little bit, if you can put Rubio up front for a little bit, if you can do whatever it takes to make sure Donald Trump does not come out with 51 percent of the delegates, then you will have a runoff on the delegate floor. So that magic number that Donald Trump is going to need is 1,144 delegates. That's the magic number. If he doesn't hit that number, we will have a run-up on the floor, and it could be anybody's ball game at that point. Well, let me ask you this. One of the things that I've been concerned about and why it's so important to me to get, to get inside this whole governor, we got to have the executive experience and all this, when we have somebody step in, it seems as though the front runners we've got going into New Hampshire, the poll numbers are Trump is at, at Monmouth, and this was before the debate, but I mean, basically Trump is at 30%-ish, we've got, and then we've got basically a tie between Kasich, Bush, and Rubio, and Cruz at somewhere between 14 and 12%. So basically the front runners are Trump and Cruz. It seems as though the big debate between the two of those comes down to this. Many conservatives are concerned that Trump is going to try to govern and try to deal with what you just talked about in the same exact way that Obama did, which is through executive orders. And that is in a wrong from a conservative standpoint. As conservatives, we respect limited government. We respect the uh, individual branches of government. But then there's other people that say, you know what, at this point. If Cruz is a constitutional, strict constitutionalist, how in the world, without executive orders, is he going to be able to roll back government if he's not willing to use executive orders? Because we've got the same people in Congress that are part of the problem. We've got McConnell and we've got Ryan. So, you know, what do we do as conservatives? It seems like we've got a quandary, Ernie, whereas conservatives, we don't want somebody governing like a dictator and a king with executive orders. But then again, Again, if we don't have that and we've got a Cruz who's a strict constitutionalist, if he's not willing to do that, what truly is he going to be able to do given the fact that we've got all these establishment people that are doing Obama's bidding? Well, you know, on every radio show, and I'm not going to talk about the other stations, but on some of the other stations, when Trump talked about getting in a room and negotiating with both sides, he got slammed by the so-called conservative stations. When he said exactly what you just said, executive orders is not the way to do everything. He got slammed by the conservatives saying, you're going to go in there and you're going to negotiate? And he said, yes, I'm going to go in there and negotiate. Now, reversing the executive orders of Obama that you can do. You can just go ahead and reverse all those and knock those things out. I believe Trump will be using executive orders where he has to if he cannot get any type of consensus because you've got to remember, unfortunately, many of the Republicans are also going to be against what Trump's all about. They hate Trump. And we just got to get that understanding across. They hate Trump. And in this next election, I mean, this one that's coming up in New Hampshire, again, nobody's going to walk away with all of those delegates. So whoever comes in first or second, it's still going to be pretty close when it comes to the delegate count. Right. Those delegates will be split up. So 
Uh, everybody knows that. Cruz knows that. Bush knows that. As a matter of fact, Bush knows that the first time that the delegates will not be split up is when they hit Texas. Mm. And there will be 99 delegates available at that point. That will be the first time where it's going to be a winner-take-all, and there will be 99 delegates available, and that will be in Texas. What do you think is going to happen in New Hampshire? When I look at New Hampshire, uh, you know, there's – I have said this many times, Ernie. Anybody but Hillary, okay? Anybody but Bernie. But that doesn't mean that I don't have favorites in, in the race. And in particular, I'm, I am not one of these conservatives that thinks that we can take anything for granted right now. I'm concerned about electability. And I'm looking at New Hampshire and I'm going, you know what? New Hampshire is all about the independence, okay? And I, in, for years we've been hearing that the justification for Romney, the justification for McCain, that we had to have a moderate running, a rhino, was because we had to appeal to the independents and we had to appeal to the moderates going into a general. Is that why you're behind Trump? Why specifically? Because so many people are saying, you know what? Trump's ahead in New Hampshire. New Hampshire is kind of the test case for electability going into the general. And if that's so, then, you know, he's the one that can really appeal to the broadest, you know, Big Ten, the independents and the moderates. Is that why you're leaning Trump as opposed to Cruz? Tell me why you're about Trump versus Cruz. I'm about Trump because Trump has stood up against the establishment. He stood up against the media. He has had to stand up basically against everybody. Everybody's against him because he's coming out with these great ideas. He's talking the truth. He's not, you know, all these other guys, you know, the politicians, they sound great, but you could look them right in the eye and you can see that once they get back to Washington, it's going to be business as usual. You've only got one guy that I see so far that's not talking about business as usual. He's going to shake things up. And by the way, when I said Texas, I, I meant to say Florida, which is going to be Bush's state. That's going to be the first the first state where it's going to be a winner take all. That's 99 votes right there in Florida alone. So Trump is my guy. Again, I would take any of those Republicans, though, over what we're looking at, which is socialism and communism from the other side. So I don't care. As, as a matter of fact, what Republican comes out, and this is one thing I want to say to all Republicans, no matter who comes out of this thing, as long as they come out of this thing fair, we've got to get behind that person and we've got to win because we cannot go into the next four years in a socialist, communist type of situation. We're already close to full socialism. Bernie Sanders is talking about he is a socialist. He's telling the world, I'm a socialist. And we're buying it, and we're loving it. Yeah. I don't understand what's happened to my country. Where have we gone? Right. I, and you know what, I Ernie? Freedom. Right. And I'm watching this debate on Saturday night, and I'm thinking that, you know, why is it that the Republican Party is continuing to agree to debate formats that don't give the voters an opportunity to really understand conservatism and to really have an opportunity to make an educated decision? It's all every format. It doesn't even matter whether it's a. ABC and Martha Raddatz, or whether it's Fox News or any of them, the debate formats stink. You only have, it's taking them longer to ask each question than it is for them, for each candidate to give an answer. And when you, when you have only two candidates to get to answer about immigration, and then you got two that gets to answer about economics, you don't really give an, the American people an opportunity to, to uh, and the Republican Party a chance to counter what is going on out there. We have, and we have, 
20,000 people showing up at rallies for a socialist, and we don't have the Republican Party being given an opportunity, at least at the debates, to even explain or counter that message. Bernie Sanders is going around talking about free college education when that would cost $70 billion a year. And the Republican Party is continuing to go along with debates that, that hampers their ability to counter that message. It's insane to me, Ernie. Well, nobody's explaining what socialism really is. And nobody's explaining that socialism means government is in total control of everything you do. Not some of the things you do, but basically everything you do. Everything will be under government control. And right now, you're seeing it slowly being pushed on you. You're seeing your cameras on every street corner, on every highway. You're seeing your cars now being um, having these monitors now. You know They look nice in the middle of your car where you can get all your little GPS, but Basically, mm-hmm. that's a new government monitoring system so that, they, so that this government can charge you for every mile that you drive. The government wants to be in control of your school, in control of your kids, in control of every decision right. that you make, in control of your health care. Then look at China. When you talk about communism, you cannot even go out and do a rally in China. You go to jail or you right. die. Right. That is full socialism. That's government control of everything. And we're, we're seeing it slowly happen here. Right. You, you know, we're starting with the DUI checkpoints, but mm-hmm. now we're going to have the fee per mile you drive. They're going to have new checkpoints to make sure you're paying those fees, that you have your papers. Yeah, and you know what? And you know what? As I'm hearing you say all that, I'm thinking shame on the Republican Party because the the problem with them not saying what you just said is not just because the debate formats don't give them an opportunity to say that. They're on media all day long, and they are not saying exactly what you just said. And I am hoping whoever gets the nomination that they will say it just as clearly as you did because the bottom line is liberalism equals control. There is no such thing as free. Not only is there no such thing as free in terms of economics because the government doesn't have any money. Every dollar that it spends is taken from a citizen. It all ends up, you become a slave to the government. And right now, I have not heard that message clearly explained in the way that you did by any of them running for office. A lot of them have voted for it. Yeah, that's so true. The guys that you're looking at have voted for it. They voted for TPP. They voted for all of these things. They voted for, uh, I think Cruz just voted to have more visas, 500% more visas. So you're talking about, oh, we have to stop the Middle East from coming here. They just voted the 500% increase. So again, they're talking this big talk, but nobody is walking the walk. And we keep forgetting, you know, you talked about eminent domain. Trump made a good point. You, you say you want a pipeline. How do you think that pipeline is going to come through? It's eminent domain. And yet you bash Trump on eminent domain. And Bush had a lot of nerve doing that when we find out that they built that baseball stadium. Yeah, with the Rangers. Domain. Right. So, you know, we have a problem in the Republican Party because we pretend like we're for less government. But the truth is the establishment is for more government. And unless we get somebody in there to rip apart this party. And to change it and push us back to less government, 
then we're going to still be on the same track we are no matter who's in office. We are getting railroaded, and they know it, and they want to keep it going. And let's be honest, why? It's about the money. It's about globalism, and it's about your contributors. When those people give you millions of dollars, you bet your butt they're going to get that money back, and you're going to deliver that money back to me. Yeah, they ain't giving that money for a reason, Ernie. That is not free money. That's right. you said, Andre, you said nothing is free. Nothing ain't free, baby. Nothing free. Ernie White Media, everybody. Thanks so much for being here, Ernie. Appreciate it. Hey, we're going to take a break because I'm running really back uh, um, up against a deadline. Hey, don't change that dial because we got more of the Andrea K Show coming up. We got more to talk about here. Want more Andrea K? Follow her on Twitter at Andrea K Show and like her Facebook page at Andrea K, spelled K A Y E. Convenient homestyle recipes and unique menu favorites. Sombrero, your place for San Diego style Mexican food. Roll tacos, California burritos, and don't forget your salsa. Sombrero Mexican food. We get it too. Do you struggle with the day to day management of your business? Proteus takes the pain out of the business process management by providing you a complete system for efficiency, automation, continuity. Proteus is business solution that wraps itself around your business and grows with you. Gone are the days of multiple programs and systems for sales, inventory, customer management, and financial reporting. Proteus serves your business every day, all day, and revolutionizes the way you do business. Visit us today to see how Proteus can assist you online at www.proteuserp.com or call today 877-749-3533. Fresh Healthy Vending, the nation's largest healthy vending company, is looking for locations in this area to place its latest innovation. A fresh, healthy micromarket at absolutely no cost to your business. A fresh, healthy micromarket is like a mini health food store for your office break room. Choose from breakfast meals, fresh salads, wraps, hot meals, smoothies, cold-pressed juices, and more, all at a convenient self-checkout kiosk. Now you can offer your employees exactly what they want. All natural, healthy, fresh, and organic foods. Fuel productivity and creativity, decrease absenteeism, and increase morale. Fresh Healthy Vending is offering the first 20 offices that sign up $250 cash and 15% of the net profits each micromarket generates each month. For free information about this exciting and healthy opportunity, visit freshandhealthy.org to request your free machine. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to The Andrea K Show. Happy Lundi Gras. Tonight's show is dedicated to Mama Joan. My bestie's mama who broke her leg yesterday. Love you, Mama Joan. Hope to see you real soon when I'm back in NOLA. Hey, before the break, I was talking to one of my favorite people, Ernie White from Ernie White Media. Man, that guy can explain conservatism so well. And, you know, we have got to have somebody. We really shouldn't have to. Should we really have to explain the benefits of the free market capitalist system? I mean, we, we, we are a baby country compared to other systems around the world. Socialism, Marxism, and every ism in between has failed anywhere it's ever been tried. 
But see, what's happened is the left has successfully indoctrinated. There's a reason why specifically the youth of America is rallying behind Sanders and not behind Hillary, even young women. It's because the left successfully took over the education and the media systems in this country and have removed history from the history books. And so and and the truth about uh, the beauty and the glory that is America and the dangers of what is socialism and Marxism. And so we've got a tough order at hand, and I'm just pleased to have all you out there with me. And speaking of that, not only do I love Ernie White from Ernie White Media, I love me some Timothy Shea, who's on the line. Hey, T. Hey, Lulu. How you doing? Good. Now, I know that you you kind of probably have disagreed with me on my case against the governors at the opening uh, of the show. Uh, I'm not sure. No, what I thought you made a great point. I think too many governors are acting as lackeys for the federal government. We've got too few like Governor Brewer and Governor Abbott. I thought your point was well taken. Thank it you. reminds me of FDR's great speech about Martin Barton and Fish as Republican opponents. Uh, we've got Christie, Kasich and Bush. And I think that Trump and Cruz really need to start lumping them together yes. and referring to them as one entity, Christie, Kasich and Bush, because they're GOPE. Yeah, they are. And in fact, I look at Bush and I go, you know what? How about with speaking of governors and their and, and their compassionate conservatism that's kind of taken us uh, down the road, basically, to and taken the Republican Party really far left. Haven't we already been there with a the governor, Bush? Absolutely. Yeah, we've already been there, been there, done that. We don't need a part de, to that. In fact, I'm listening to Christie. Part of the part of the reason why I wanted to do a case against the governors is I'm I'm listening to him talk about how, oh, gee, he says, you know, I've got the greatest percentage of my population that's Muslim than any other state. And, you know, we just really need to work with yeah, these like great. Yeah, like that's a good thing? Yeah. I mean, he's talking about it like, oh, oh, how wonderful that is. And basically how we need to ask permission of them in order to in order to route out radical radical Islam and fight the war on terror. Anybody who's got the mindset that we need to seek permission of the enemy in order to investigate them is not anybody who in any way should be qualified. And especially given the fact that, you know, here was Rubio the other night basically saying we need to secure the borders first and then, and I think I'm quoting here, and then we will see what the American people will support. And instead of Christie busting him on that and saying, wait a second, Rubio, basically what you're saying is you haven't changed your position since the Gang of Eight. You're still an open borders amnesty guy. You just want to secure the borders first and then, and then try to shove amnesty down the throats of the American people. Christie was so self-serving that all he wanted to do at that point was try Try to continue to beat Rubio over the head with the inexperienced Obama was incompetent stick. You're exactly correct. And that really bothered me. At this point, Christie, to me, should be completely disqualified. Christie, Kasich and Bush should, should be completely disqualified. Uh, in, in, I agree, although I do want to see Stapoff as the next AG. He is an absolute bulldog. He was very, very, very strong as U.S. attorney in New Jersey. I think he'd be a great AG. And but I how think can he if, be? Well, how, but excuse me for interrupting. How can he be a great AG if he's not willing to call out the enemy for who they are? We have an enemy amidst us that is called Islam. And when I look at President Obama going to a mosque in Baltimore that has direct ties to Muslim Brotherhood, even direct ties to Osama bin Laden, and he goes there and basically um, kisses their butts and under the guise of freedom of religion, we have got to have somebody. There's only been two people 
that are Republican candidates that have been willing to call out Islam for what it is. One was one has been Trump and one has been Santorum, Rick Santorum. So I Cruz, there's three. Well, you know, what bothered me about Cruz and I got to give what first of all, before I say what bothered me about Cruz, I got to give a hat tip to him because I was pleased to see a real genuine moment from him. In the debate, talking about his stepsister, I was t- he was talking about his stepsister. Unfortunately, yeah. it was also a reminder. It in what could have been a grand slam ended up being a single because given the debate format, he ran out of time and he ends up, right. you know, they end up dinging him in the middle of him talking about the borders. And so this whole great genuine moment ends up being like completely, you know, taken lost from in the shuffle. Yeah, lost in the shuffle. Um, but, you know, he was too squeamish on the waterboarding for me. And the biggest issues we face as a nation, as I've been saying for years to me, is the border situation, because that's where economically and from a national security standpoint, we are giving our country away. And if we don't have somebody willing to be courageous enough to call them out for who they are and be willing to do whatever it takes to keep us safe, if you're not willing to do that, you're not my guy. Exactly. And that's the answer to your question, by the way. You see, the AG is not autonomous. The AG takes direction from the president. So if we have a president in there that is willing to name the enemy and state their location, namely radical Muslims here in the United States, the AG will go after them. If we have a president that says, I want all national security violators prosecuted, well, Hillary's going to jail and so is Huma and a lot of other people. Okay, so Christie would be a great AG, provided we have a president that's willing to point him and fire him in the direction that we need. Good point. Good point. Uh, One of the other things that... that, I was just going to say, one of the other things that I liked about Cruz is I've been asking for a while. I've been saying, why are we... Any Republican being backed into a corner and asked why we have to do anything with the 11 million people that are here. If they are here and contributing the way the left tries to tell tell us that they are, then what's the sense of urgency? Why are they a priority? Why do we have to do anything? And what I loved about Cruz's response the other night in terms of of illegal immigration is he basically said what Romney did. He just didn't use the word self-deport. He basically said... All we need to do is enforce the immigration laws on the books. We need to, when we when we come across them, we deport them, we arrest them, we deport them, and we take away all the carrots. And you know what? The problem will correct correct itself. I was like, bingo. Well, exactly. But I was still up and yelling at the TV because guess how many illegals Bush deported? 12 million. Guess how many Obama has deported? 10 million. This notion that we can't deport 11 million illegals is absolutely a canard. And it's, oh, well, that's too big a number. We can't handle that. Are you kidding me? Both of the last two presidents have. The problem is we haven't secured the border. So it's, it's catch and release. As soon as we release them, you know, they come right back across. Exactly. Well, I want to talk about some football, though, because you're a football girl. Yay! And last, yes, I and am. You, and the Super Bowl was yeah, last you're, night. Yeah, you're your end of it. Ended yesterday. Of course, catchers and pitchers report next week, so I'm all excited still. Mm-hmm. But uh, were you as outraged as I was by the halftime show? By what? The halftime show. You know what? It's it, I started to turn away from it. Not what you know, I, I went to a party, so I didn't have the luxury of changing the channel, which our friend Jim suggested everybody do. Um, so I didn't have the luxury of doing that. So I tried to avert my eyes. And I didn't see all of it because, you know, I I didn't want to give Beyonce her due. And when I what I did see, I really didn't. I'm not really sure what the fuss is about. Well, 
I did. I did watch, and I watched because I never criticize something that I haven't experienced. Okay. okay. Right. She comes out. Do you know who Huey Newton is? Do I know who Huey? A lot of who people is? don't know who Huey. A lot of people don't know who Huey Newton is. No. Huey Newton was the founder of the Black Panthers, along with Geronimo. Platt. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. In Oakland, California, just up the bay from Santa Clara, where the game was. Guess when the Black Panthers were founded? 1966. It was the 50th anniversary of the founding of the Black Panthers. Okay. So when she comes out in a Black Panther-like outfit and gives the Black Power fist salute, and all of her backup dancers have huge combed-out afros with black berets, just exactly like Huey Newton wore. Okay, that was an in-your-face Black Power expose. Well, let me ask you this, though. How much of an expose is it if people like me watching don't get it? Because here's what I got out of it. because because, Because you weren't supposed to get it, okay? And that's the whole point. There was a great video today by Jonathan Brewer, and he said, white people, let me tell you what happened. Because black people know. This was directed at black people. We all know what happened about the 50th, and then he went into the 50th year anniversary. Uh, Sheriff, uh, Milwaukee County Sheriff David A. Clark said on Fox Business today, Beyonce coming out in those Black Panther-type uniforms, would that be acceptable if a white band came out in hoods and white sheets in the same sort of fashion? We'd be appalled and outraged. It was a racist call to arms yesterday is what she did. Well, you know what? It's funny you should say that because, you know, yeah, I mean, it, you know, if somebody comes out in the hood, we recognize it. I just think that if she, what she wanted to do was make a real statement, you know, I think she kind of probably fell flat to me because all, the only thing I got out of it girl. was that she was really, you know, she was really outdanced by Bruno Mars. She was outperformed by Bruno Mars. He was more attractive than she was. And she almost fell when she was doing her really bad dance moves. And on top of it, I think she really needs to that. lose about 50 pounds before she decides to come out in a leotard again. So, and on top of it, she really needs to, to find a new stylist. So to me, it was quite the swing and the miss for her, but I hear what but you're she, saying. And you, really, you weren't the audience though. Well, that, exactly, because it, although I'm wondering, you know, how many of the, you know, young black, you know, people out there, since we're not teaching history in the schools, how many of them got it? But, you know, you know, Jay-Z supposedly was seen on the sidelines of a basketball game wearing some kind of symbol that had to do with Islam. And yeah, so I yeah. wouldn't be surprised at all to find right. out. You, do you know which symbol I'm talking about? I do. Yeah. Yeah. Um they supposedly also paid um, the bail to get out some of the Baltimore rioters. I mean, these are people that... They did. Yeah. Yes, these are not good people. Now, there's another outrage, though. There's a reason that you should be outraged. Everybody in the audience should be outraged. And I quickly want to finish with this, the tax situation, because I know you want to talk about more economic issues on your show. Yes. The tax issue yesterday. Cam Newton won $51,000 for being a second-place finisher, and he was taxed $106,000 by the state of California. He was taxed twice what he made. (laughs) That is absolutely insane. Why people's heads aren't exploding is beyond me. Because you know what? The, first of all, the average American doesn't, you know, really pay attention to anything economics or anything tax related. And they're just loving Bernie Sanders' tea because he's talking about free this and free that. Second of all, this is California. This is what we do out here. We punish people for success. And we, yeah, yeah and I it mean, doesn't matter. And you know what? It's an equal opportunity punisher. They don't care whether or not Cam Newton is black or where he comes from nope. or, or whether or not or, or whatever industry he's from. It, it's all about how they can can basically steal 
from from any American who's achieved any kind of success. And then they're going to take that money here in California. They're going to give it to somebody like Octomom, who, you know, went and had, you know, eight kids that, sh- that she can't afford. That's what we do here in California. We punish people. And shame on every single GOP candidate who doesn't make an issue out of this. Right. It, yeah. And you know what? You know, maybe that's why Cam Newton was as sad as he was in that press conference last night. Oh, but no, he can afford it. Yeah, uh-huh. What's the big deal? He yeah, well, well, here's the thing. You know what, Cam? Here's what I would say to you, Cam Newton. I would say that, you know what? Because um, there was a lot of discussion today about him in terms of how he handled himself. You know, learn from it, young man. Um, you know, he, you know, I don't think he handled himself in the best way that he could have in that situation. But he handled it, be- you know, better than some others would have handled this. Well, situation. he didn't have an outburst. I'll give him that. But he, you know what bothered me more than his presser? What? Him flopping on the sidelines and riding around like he was in pain when the defense blew a play. Okay, oh, that's not yeah. how you treat. That's not how a leader leads his teammates. Well, you know what? Bo- what bothered Grant me? Parkinson yeah. wouldn't have done that. Roger Staubach wouldn't no. have done that. Actually, what bothered me more than his press conference was the fact that after he fumbled late in the game, he didn't oh, even he, he made even no go for the ball. Yeah, he made no attempt to go for the ball. I think that he, he was shied away from it. Yeah, I think that he was just really just was so overwhelmed being on the big stage. He had given up at that point, and basically, I, I think you know they had had a phenomenal season, and I think they really thought they they just were going to walk in there and just run all over the Broncos and win. And I think it was a, I think it was probably an incredible learning experience for him. That you well, gotta really want it, and you gotta really be every every snap of the ball. You gotta want it more than the other guy. And, you and know, how the about Bron- Von Miller? Was he a beast? Oh my gosh, he was. Um, you know, watching that game made me feel like I was watching any given Sunday again. You know what? I haven't seen With that movie speed. in a long time. Well, while we're talking about the Super Bowl, I might as well keep you on the line here. We got a few more minutes. I got to talk about one the ads. By the way, to me, every year. The commercials in the Super Bowl are always overhyped. You know, oh, you know, whether it's the Clydesdales or whatever it is, they, there's always so much hype going into it. And I think it's because they sell, you know, they charge way so much for these commercials that they got to hype them so that the people paying for all the ad time can feel like they got something out of it. Could not have mm-hmm, been exactly. even worse, though. I mean, I can't even remember a decent commercial that came out of it, especially that stupid half baby, half monkey thing. I mean, that was absolutely ridiculous. But, oh, no, it wasn't half. It was one third. Oh, was that? It was, oh, puppy, it was puppy monkey baby. <laughs> <laughs> but hat tip to Doritos, because Doritos oh, yeah. actually did a commercial that actually celebrated a baby. Inside the mama. And, and what do we have as a result? It made me laugh. It's the only ad that made me laugh out loud. Yeah. And you know what? Of course, NARAL has to come out. Oh. Did, and, you know, oh, my gosh. They they actually humanized a fetus. Oh, my. You know, we can't that have that. We can't. Uh, can you believe that, Timothy? That gets back to my point, though, when we discussed uh, Planned Parenthood a few months ago. If they were aborting puppies, NARAL would be outraged. Right. You know, but I, and then Mindy, whatever from you know, trying to make herself relevant from some TV show, something about Mindy or whatever her name. Oh, Mindy Kaling. Mindy, yeah. yeah. She said, "Oh, that commercial was chilling." Really? What was chilling about it? Chilling. You know, what was chilling about it? The truth, because the truth of the matter is, Timothy, is the party of science wants to keep women stupid in this country. They want to continue to propagate the lie, her body, her choice. They don't want the woman out there to know and women out there to know that you know what? It is a human being inside of you. It is a separate human being with separate DNA. It's not your body. It's another human exactly. being. Shock. And more than that, now we know it likes Doritos. Yay. 
And don't all kids. You know, love there to was read. one other ad that I really liked though, and my quip was, uh, I guess five million for a thirty-second spot didn't leave enough in the budget for creatives. Yeah. Okay, there were there were no creative people on the teams because those ads these were the worst ads I've seen in a while. Yeah, they were terrible. I love and of disclaimer: I'm six five. There's only two sports cars I can fit into. And that is the Porsche 911 and the Audi A8. And I'll never drive a 911 because 911 drivers are tools. Mm-hmm. But that Audi A8 is one of the most gorgeous cars ever built. And that ad was so cool. Yeah. Shoot well, to the moon with uh-huh. the astronaut. That I don't was a remember good ad. That. Yeah, I don't remember that commercial. Now, Mark Schofield, he says he likes the Heinz Wiener Dog commercial. But my thing about that, Mark, was that it seemed kind of weird. You sh- the doggies themselves were cute. But then the concept was they run up and they start getting loved on by the ketchup. But, you know, you're about to get eaten, you know, with, right. the, with the ketchup. So that was kind of like weird. It was weird. a little weird. Yeah, that seemed like a little weird to me. So, but I now- do want to close by giving a massive shout out. To someone that I have defended ever since she first hit. You got to make it quick because I'm out of time here. Who's that? Lady Gaga. (gasps) Yeah. Oh, my gosh. What an amazing, heartfelt, beautiful national anthem. Yeah, she did an amazing job. And what I loved about it is um, I've been a huge fan of her voice. From I will never forget the first time I actually heard her sing. She was on American Idol and she sang Poker Face Acapella and I'd never heard of her or the song before and I thought, oh my gosh, what an amazing voice. The red suit the very conservative hair that she did. This was a performer who put a lot of thought into the performance of that song. So Lady yeah, Gaga, you know, shadow, oh, everything. It was absolutely amazing. She did an incredible job. She paid respect. She was not like some of, you know, um, Roseanne or even uh, Jose Feliciano and other people that, that actually, you know, spit and basically disrespected the national anthem. And tried to upstage it. She, yeah, did she, you know yeah. at the end where she almost broke with emotion? Yeah, you know, I didn't necessarily know that, but I just think that she it did an incredible job. Yeah, thought a little bit at Home of the Brave. Yeah, she did an amazing job um, with that song. And so we got to leave it there. In fact, we're going to end tonight's show with hearing a, bit, a little bit of Lady Gaga. Tomorrow, you're going to want to tune in. Tomorrow night is Mardi Gras right here. It's the Andrea K Show. Follow me on Twitter at Andrea K Show. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. My website is AndreaKShow.com. Let's keep this conversation rolling. Thank you to Ernie White. Thank you to Timothy Shea. Thank you to all out there, all of you out there for listening in tonight's show. Love you so much, Mama Joan. Praying for you. Praying for your recovery. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. The Andrea Kay Show on AM 1170. The Answer is sponsored by Andrea Kay. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.